Tonight, I, I'm probably going to tell more story than I am teach. But I want us to take a trip down memory lane, or at least my memory lane. And I want us to, to, to think of something. You know, there are events in each one of our lives that define us. I mean, some are good and some are bad. When I was born, that pretty much was a defining moment. That was a joke. Just saying, that was a defining moment. When Jerry Jones fired Tom Landry, that was a rough day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was no joke. Even though, even though I did meet Tom Landry one time and sat at the table with him, and he's a he was a great Christian man, loved the Lord, mm-hmm. represented Jesus, and he and Bob Lilly sat at the table with Tammy and I, and we had a great time. Oh, wow. Anyway, obviously when I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, mm-hmm. that was a defining moment. Yeah. I mean, I went from being a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner at the age of six <laughs> <laughs> to being destined for eternity in heaven. Yeah. You know, that... that that changed my eternal direction. And, uh, you know, I've, I've not served God perfectly since then, but I've never run out on him since then either. There's always been a desire in my heart for him. When Tammy and I got married, that obviously changed my life for the good. And uh, we've had a wonderful relationship serving the Lord together for over 41 years. But tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some time and, and I'm going to recall a story about the time I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe every one of us in this room could share a story. We don't have that kind of time tonight, but maybe one of you could share your story and teach next week if you need to. I'm not really. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm not that I'm not that I'm not that generous. I'm not that generous. Are you saying you don't want to hear our story? I do, but I have to take it over there before we get in here. Now, you know, that was one of the greatest events of my life, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and to speak with other tongues. I want to, I want to be clear. I believe the Scripture is, is really clear that that is the will of God for every. Believer. Amen. It's his will. The scripture says in Acts 2, 37 to 39, it says that when they heard this, they saw about when Peter and the group received the infilling of the Spirit, they staggered out, they preached this message to the to the crowd, and they and, and it says, when they heard this message about <coughs> Jesus, it says they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then it says, For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That makes it pretty clear. The will of God for every believer is to be born again and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants to do. And so I think in this room we all know that. We've experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've experienced the opportunity to pray in other tongues. By the way, some people call it unknown tongues. That's a misnomer. It's only unknown to the speaker. God knows what you're saying. It's like a code that you communicate spiritually with. And now, from time to time, we get the interpretation of that. So it's really not an unknown tongue. Just unknown at the moment when you're saying it, perhaps. I don't want to share. The reason I want to share these things is because what I want to do is I want to stir us up. I want us to get stirred up about 
this. And I didn't know as I was preparing this that we're going to have the Holy Spirit conference mm -hmm. in three weeks. Yeah. Now, I had no idea. And so I don't know exactly what I'm going to do next week since we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm going to do this this week. Um, back in, in 1973, it's funny, they were talking at the table about where people were when, when Kennedy was assassinated. Well, I was in the third grade. These guys had jobs and other stuff, but I, oh, I, I don't know about sure. you. I don't know about, I don't know about you, Greg. See there? I know. Yeah. See, we're, we're just kids over here. I, I was in third grade, and, and uh, I was in love with my third grade teacher, and uh, Miss Izuno was her name, and she uh, they played the national anthem. We we're looking around. We stood and did this, and then we said, well, "What's that about?" She said, "Your parents will tell you when you get home." And then they sent us home at lunch. Well, uh, but Anyway, in 1973, I was, uh, was getting ready to graduate from high school, and I had a friend, his name was Trey, and he had gotten spirit-filled. We were seniors in high school, and he had gotten spirit-filled somewhere in my senior year. Another guy that went to my high school, his name was Jim, and we called him Jim the Jesus Freak because he got baptized in the Spirit. He, was the, he told the dirtiest jokes in the world, and then he got filled with the Spirit. And I mean, from, from the junior year to the senior, everything changed. And this kid was an evangelist. I mean, he would ask teachers and coaches where they were going to spend eternity. He just, I mean, you know, and I was enough of a Christian that I was convicted every time I got around him. And so if I saw him coming, I went the other way. And so I had a reputation for being a Christian, and I was a Christian, but I wasn't spirit-filled like these guys were. And my friend Trey, he, had, he was my best friend at the time, and he got spirit-filled, and I, I didn't understand a lot of things, but he convinced me to go hear Catherine Kuhlman the night before we graduated from high school. And so when I got there, man, I saw things that this North American heathen, sort of a Baptist boy, had never seen before. Never thought I would see. Never dreamt that I would see. And after I went to see that, I mean, there was this insatiable thirst for God. I mean, I wanted what that lady had. And I wanted what my friend had. And I had no idea how to get it. No idea in the world how to get it. I mean, after I left that night, my, my, I was like this Psalm 42 where it says, As the heart panteth for the water brooks, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. I mean, I wanted him, but I had no idea what to do. I was saved, but I wasn't in love with Jesus like these people were. When Catherine Coleman came on the stage, I don't know how many of you have seen Catherine Coleman when she was alive, but... It was like she was totally empty and totally full at the same time. She would wave those long old fingers. <laughs> People would just start to fall down. I mean, it just, it was amazing. But I wanted not, I didn't want to necessarily wave my hand, but I wanted the Jesus that she had. I mean, with everything I wanted. So a couple of weeks later, after we, after we did that, I just, I just kept wanting the Holy Spirit. So a couple weeks later, I was in the car with my friend Trey. So we're driving, and I had some kind of problem that I was talking to him about. And so as we're driving down the street, my friend Trey says to me, he says, well, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, yes, because what I thought that meant, because this is what it meant to me, if I told somebody, I'll pray for you, what that meant was, later on, I'll pray for you, but not really because I'll forget about it, not ever pray. He said, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, yes. So he reaches his hand over, touches me on the shoulder, and he began to pray in tongues. I didn't understand. How could you drive and pray in tongues? 
How could that happen? I thought you'd have to go into some sort of metaphysical trance, you know, and pray in tongues or something, you know. I didn't understand it. He just reached over. He touched me on the shoulder. He prayed in the spirit for a few minutes, took his hand up, and we just went. I'm like, and we're just not going to talk about that. <laughs> but we didn't. We didn't talk about it. It was like normal stuff. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know how you could turn it on, how you could turn it off. How he could do that, I, I, I didn't understand all that. I mean, but after that, I wanted it more than ever before. <coughs> Thank you. Have y'all ever been there? Y'all been there, right? You wanted it. You just, I mean, you, you just, I, I had a hard time sleeping because I wanted this. <laughs> I wanted it. You know, I was, for, for, for a heathen Baptist, I was really a pretty good Christian. <laughs> but I didn't have that. Didn't have anything like that. So later that week, my friend Trey asked me if I'd go to a Bible study. So I went to this Bible study in this house. It was owned by Bill Oglesby. Y'all know Bill Oglesby, Bill don't you? BJ. What's his wife's name? Bill and BJ. BJ, yeah. Went to Bill and BJ's house. I got it. I got it. Well, we went over there, and it was Bill and BJ. They're the mom and dad, and a bunch of teenagers were there. Okay, just all teenagers. And so they said, okay, let's worship. Well, I don't know what that was either. I mean, we, we had the hymn to them. We, didn't have, we, you know, we sang out of it. We sang the first, second, and last verse of every song. And, 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 and they called it a worship service, but I never, in, in, the, in the Baptist church, never saw anybody worship. And they said, let's worship. So they started singing. They, and, and they started singing this one song. And if you've been around a long time, you'll, you'll, we sang this song called, He Done Done What He Said He Would Do. And, and it was a kind of a goofy song, but one verse that my friend Jim, the Jesus freak, started singing was, he said he would give me some tongues. He done done what he said he would do. I mean, I just, I just, I, I, I wanted that. I wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and these kids, they were like giddy with the joy of the Lord, singing about God doing this for them and God doing that for them. And I just, I just was so... I didn't know what I didn't even know what to do. So you know they, they were they were they were that. But I wanted this baptism in the Holy Spirit. So Bill gave a little Bible study, and I have no idea what it was about, because all I could think about was he gave me some tongues. He done done what he said he would do. That's all I could think about. And so when it was over, they took a chair, they put it in the middle of the room, and they said, "Does anybody need any prayer?" Now you've all been in one of these Bible studies, I'm sure. Does anybody need any prayer? Well, I, I jumped into the chair, and I said, I need prayer. And they said, okay, stick your arms out. Okay, so I, I thought this is how you got it, I guess. So I stuck my arms out, and they said, oh, look, this arm is longer than this arm. And they said, let's pray, and God will make them both the same length. And so they're praying, and, and sure enough, this heat came on my elbow, and my arms were the same length. And it was really cool, but it's not what I went for. <laughs> then they're like, hey, praise God. They're like shouting and they're happy about it. They said, okay, stick out your legs. And they went through the same thing with my legs. And so they became the same length. And so they said, they said, okay, who's next? I said, stop. I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they said, oh. You haven't got that yet? I said, no. I haven't got that. They said, okay, okay. So I remember, everybody's teenagers. We're like 17 and 18 years old. And so 
They said, they said, okay, okay, well, here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to, you need to renounce everything that you've ever done. You know, like Ouija board and all this stuff. So we went through this list of stuff and I renounced things. Now understand, I had been hanging out with Christians for a long time, and so they would ask me about tongues, these Christians would, and this is my response. Well, you know, I don't believe it's the will of God for every Christian to speak in tongues. Or I would say, uh, well, tongues is a lesser gift. It's not. It's, it's, it's not for everyone. And I would sound, I would sound real deep with that type of thing. And and, and I'm, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know. But anyway, so, but because at times I've wanted to speak in tongues, and I tried to, and I'd be like, and nothing ever happened. Y'all are laughing, but you know it happened to you too. You know you sit in your room and you're like waiting for God to do something. So we, I renounced everything. And then they just said, okay, ask for it. Ask for it. I mean, of course, that's based in Luke when Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much shall your heavenly Father give, to, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? They said, ask. I said, okay. I said, Father, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And they said, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, I got what? I, I didn't know what I got. And they said, okay, just, just start praying in tongues. They might as well have said, just fly around the room. Because <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea what to do. They said, okay, well, do this. Just start saying praise God over and over. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Throw in a hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, hallelujah. I mean, they're just all just excited as they can be. And I'm embarrassed as I can be. Sit in this chair. Praise God, praise God, hallelujah. Finally, I must have said something that wasn't praise God or hallelujah. Okay? Whatever it was I said, they go, you got it. That's it. You got it. And they said, all right. And, I, and, I, and in my mind, I'm like, I got what? I don't have anything. And they said, all right, go in this other room back here. Until you get a release of it. Okay, so I went in this other room. Listen, I wanted it bad. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I went in this other room. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just all these things I was saying. And I, I'm back there. And about, I don't know, five or ten minutes later, this other guy comes back there. Well, he's back there getting a release too, you know. So he's back there. Praise God, praise God. We're just having a look at you. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, as we're sitting back there, all of a sudden, I'm going, praise God. It just came. I mean, all at one time, it was like, it was the rivers of living water that Jesus talked about. And it started coming out of me. And this other guy's only goes, his eyes got really big. And then he just started talking back to me in tongues. And I mean, we just got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was the most exciting thing that had ever happened to me in Christendom. I mean, I had been a Christian since I was six years old. And now I'm 18 years old. And all of a sudden, this has happened. Man, that guy, his name was Ray, and Ray and I, we didn't speak in English for the next two or three hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't want to. There was no need to speak in English. We came staggering out of that room, and we're just yelling in tongues at these people. And they said, you guys, you guys, just go outside. We walked around the block, and dogs are barking, and we're yelling at them in tongues. And, and, I mean, we were... You know, we're just kids. We didn't care what anybody thought. We didn't care about. We didn't care about our reputations. We we just we just were gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. Somehow they crammed us in a car. We went to McDonald's. There was only one McDonald's in Lubbock at the time. It was on 19th Street. We went in McDonald's. 
We're praying in tongues. We walk up to the counter, and the lady says, the girl says, what do you want? We're praying in tongues. And the lady, and somebody pushes us out of the way and says, uh, he'll take Big Mac. And so, but it, it, was, it was the most wonderful, wonderful thing to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, all of a sudden, this river of living water began to flow out, just as Jesus said. Amen. It happened. And I'm going to tell you something. My life has never been the same. I went home and my dad said, oh, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. He was mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's never been the same. All of a sudden, I had a passion for Jesus that was unspeakable. We used to sing this song that said, Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the noontime, mm-hmm. Jesus when the sun goes yeah. down. And that was true. That's all we could think about. That's all we could talk about. Most of us didn't work, so we really had lots of time to talk about Jesus and to praise him. And and, and we were just so excited. And then there was this hunger for God's word that I had never experienced before. All of a sudden, I would read things, and I understood them. I had never understood them before. Because all of a sudden, the author of the book was living inside of me. He was walking with me, and he came upon me. It's like he was just there to say, now look at this. And he was, he was showing me what, it, what he was talking about because that's what he does. And I'll tell you, and that hunger for the word has never left. I mean, I love the word. I mean, Tammy was talking to me. We were talking tonight or this day, today at lunch, and she said, you know, we just, we, just, we just love the word. And I said, yes, we do. We love the word. It's not something that we take for granted. It is the handbook for life. Yes. Yeah. If I need an answer, that's what it is. Anyway, so, so all of a sudden, I just love Jesus. I, I'm hungry for the word. Man, it, it, it was just one, it was one of the most wonderful things that ever happened. Now, here's my goal. My goal is to stir you up to remember mm-hmm. what happened to you. Mm-hmm. To stir you up. I mean, those were the days. We've got to understand some things. We, when I got filled with the Spirit in 1973, we're in the charismatic renewal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a supernatural season. Yes. Okay, I, I personally believe we are on the cusp of another supernatural move of the Spirit of God. I've told people I believe that I'm going to be one of those people who gets to be a part of two moves of God. Mm. Most people haven't been. Mm. I believe we get to be a part of both of those. Mm. Praise God. And I hope I'm stirring you up. Over the years, it seems like it hadn't always been that exciting. You know, after that, you had to pay bills and go to work and and stuff. (laughs) Life begins to happen. Another generation is being raised up. As I watch, it doesn't seem like this baptism in the Holy Spirit is as revolutionary in their lives. We take them in a room and we pray with them. and They get a release in tongues, but it doesn't alter their world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it, it altered my world. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's never been the same. You know, churches, they're, they're called spirit-filled churches. You know, and, and, and they know the jargon and they have the accompanying actions like raising hands perhaps or dancing or whatever. But, but there hasn't been this infusion 
of power. I'm not being critical of anyone, but I'll tell you, it seems like what we call spirit-filled has somehow been diminished. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know over the years, you know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1973, but at times I, I can tell that I've leaked somehow. You know, it's it's just it's just not as I'm not, I don't I don't I know we can't stay on some emotional precipice from now on, but there has to be the passion for Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout our week and throughout our lives. So here's here's the text I'm gonna, I'm going to talk from here, Ephesians five, verse eighteen, and I'm sure you know the, these verses. The scripture says this. In fact, when I was first uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, we sang these words because we had song, all of our songs for you young and so there. All of our songs came right out of the Bible. We didn't have, we didn't have words on the screen or anything. We just, we just had the Bible. Here's what it says. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting. The book of Ephesians was written to spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians. When the Apostle Paul landed in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, he asked them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you were saved? They said, We've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And he said, well, let's fix it. And so he taught them. He, taught, he preached Jesus to them. They were baptized. Then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spake in tongues and prophesied. And through 12 men, a revival broke out that all of Asia, minor, heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it was a major Revival through these 12 guys that got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spake in tongues. All right, so what we know about Ephesus is it was a church where they were spirit-filled. Timothy became the pastor <laughs> later on, and they were the most powerful church on the planet. Some historians tell us that by the time Ephesians was written, there were 100,000 believers in Ephesus. Now, there was no building that could hold 100,000 people. That's why when Paul saw them for the last time, all the leaders came outside the city to meet him because they couldn't all meet together. So these, this is a tongue-talking, spirit-filled church, yet the Apostle Paul tells them to be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? What does it mean to be spirit-filled? In our vernacular in, in churches, to be spirit-filled means to have been baptized in the Holy Spirit sometime in the past. Right? Are you spirit-filled? Oh, yeah. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1973. Does that mean I am or I was? Okay, we, we look for churches. We want a spirit-filled church. What does that mean? To most today, it means they want a church that believes that their theology agrees with this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right? Too many, it means a past experience accompanied 
by a present theology agreeing with the idea that God intervenes supernaturally in the lives of people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Most people, that's how most people think that, that it is to be spirit-filled. It has to do with what has happened in the past and not as much with what is happening now. Mm -hmm. The scripture says, and it never says please, it never says if you think about it, it says be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, he said to be spiritually minded, but to be, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1973, my mind was always on Jesus. My mind, listen, the first set of tapes I ever found in my life were from Derek Prince. And it was how to cast out devils. Oh my goodness. We went everywhere we could because we knew we had authority in the name of Jesus. And we were looking for devils on every rock behind every tree. Oh my. We would go, we would go, I don't know, I'm trying to do this. We would go to, we had a restaurant here in town called Sambo's. Anybody remember Sambo's? Oh, yeah. It was on 4th and University. We'd go to Sambo's. And we, we particularly like to go Saturday morning at 2 a.m. Because the bar is closed at 2. And those people would go to Sambo's after the bar is closed. And we were going to find somebody who needed to be delivered. Not so much to get them saved, but we wanted to get them delivered because our pastime was casting out demons. Because we knew that we had authority in Jesus. I mean, that's what we thought about all the time. We, we, just, we just wanted Jesus. We were spiritually minded. Sometimes that was good and sometimes it was bad. But he instructs us to be filled with the Spirit. The emotion of the moment will pass. But we know this, that the power of the Spirit even after the emotion passes, must work with the word and our character to have the longest lasting effect. But we have to be aware of the Holy Spirit. We have to be spiritually minded. Paul instructed these people to be filled with the Spirit. We need to get back to being filled with the Spirit. Okay? I'm not talking about being wild and swinging from the ceiling fan. <laughs> Even though that's better than being dead. <laughs> you know, here's here's what here's uh, here's what I've heard. Uh, I've been around a long time. I've heard a lot of things. Somebody said, "Well, brothers, we need to be decent and in order." <laughs> You've been in a cemetery. It's decent, decent. and in order. <laughs> we need to have the passion for the things of God. We sing this song, it says, they call us holy rollers, and what they say is true. If they knew what we were rolling about, they'd be rolling too. <laughs> we need to have passion. We did not sing all these songs y'all sang. You just didn't go, did you, you didn't swing from the chandeliers like we did. Anyway. <laughs> no. We actually did sing that song. I haven't heard that part of the story. <laughs> no, I never, never swung from the chandelier. Okay. That part was evangelistic. That was evangelistic. <laughs> yes, yes. Now I know we're going to have we're going to have a deeper conference about the Holy Spirit. So I'm not sure exactly how far I need to go after tonight, but I just want I just want us to I just want us to think about this. There's another time. It's interesting. This passage I just read began with this phrase: 
be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. That's an interesting thing. Because there was another time when this being filled with the Spirit was connected to being drunk. Remember that? Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. I love this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, most charismatic churches at this point would be saying, sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove. That's not what happened. It said there was a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house. Literally, there was an explosion. How do I know that? Because the whole town came to see what blew up. I mean, the Holy Spirit, when he left, do you remember when Jesus was baptized in Mark's gospel, it says he looked up into heaven and he saw the Spirit ripping heaven apart. Rending heaven. Tearing heaven. The Holy Spirit has a desire to get to people. And he, when Jesus was baptized, he's like, I've got to go. And he ripped heaven apart. He came in the form of a dove on him. But I mean, he tore heaven apart. Mm-hmm. On this day of Pentecost, I'm thinking the Holy Ghost was like, oh my, there's 120 of him. <laughs> I've got to get there. And I can just see him tearing heaven apart to get to those 120 people. And there's this boom that happens. And there appeared under them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. It literally is talking about there, were the, there was, this, there was these, these rays that kind of looked like tongues. And they split and landed on everybody. It's like laser beams from heaven landing on everybody. Because the Holy Spirit, one, 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 one definition is lightning. There was like lightning bolts landing on everybody. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I mean, these guys, they didn't even know what to do. Nobody was there to tell them to renounce everything. <laughs> nobody, nobody was there to say, say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody told them that. All right? But Jesus said, you stay in that room until you get it. You don't go out until you get it. Because they were not powerful enough until they got it. And I mean, it came, and I mean, they were all, all of a sudden, they came out of the room speaking in tongues. Wouldn't that have been a fun thing to, not to watch, to be one of those people? I mean, just staggering out of that room. I think that's what I was doing that night that I received the baptism of the Spirit. I just staggered around, just, just praying in the Spirit. And, 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 and these people came, thousands of people came to see them. I mean, they came to watch it because they heard the explosion, and everybody wants to see what blew up. And they come down there, and they see these guys. I love it when they said, it says they heard them. It says we, we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. That's a powerful statement. When you understand what tongues does and how it works, that could be speaking of the wonderful works of God in the past. It could be in the present, but you could be prophesying the future. Because you're speaking the mystery, which is the hidden wisdom of God. And they're just they're just out there because tongues and interpretation is prophecy. And they're out there and they are just let it rip in tongues. And everybody hears him speaking the wonderful works of God. 
I mean, they they just they they just were going for it. The scripture says they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, "What meaneth this?" Others mocking said, "These men are full of new wine." By the way, the word wine comes from a Hebrew word, which means to effervesce. To effervesce means to bubble over. It means to 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 be more than boring and dull. <laughs> they were effervescent. Something was bubbling over and bubbling out of them. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you, hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, you got to drink a lot to still be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, right? <laughs> Some are laughing because they know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying. But this, he said, this is that. What is this? What, what, what's, what's this? Them praying in tongues. Them being drunk in the Holy Ghost. He said, this is that. Which Joel, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. These guys come up, they think they're drunk on alcohol. Peter said, huh, huh. Now this that you're seeing is what Joel talked about. He's saying, this is for everyone. I personally feel sorry for people who've never been drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, he said, he said, this is it. It's for everyone. See, since Jesus came, everybody can be saved. Since the Holy Spirit came on the church, everybody can be filled with the Spirit. Mm. Yeah. It's for everyone. They weren't drunk with wine, but they were filled with the Spirit. And isn't it something that those two things look similar to people? I mean, that, to me, that, that's interesting. As I said, Effervescence, it has to do with being exhilarated. Exhilarated. These people were able to let go of the control of their, of their own selves and were being affected by something that caused them to not care what anybody else thought. To something that brought so much joy that they were bubbling over they were exhilarated beyond what others considered normal. What is normal? Normal is what? A person or a group of people define as normal. Mm. Mm. What we say is normal is not normal in Great Britain. It's not normal in the tribes of Africa. What is normal? Normal is what God says is normal. When we were pastors at a church in Kentucky, we had, we had some services. Now, Kentucky people are, are different types of people. <laughs> but, we, man, we had these services where people just, he just got drunk in the Holy Spirit. This one guy, every time he got drunk in the Holy Spirit, his legs quit working. Remember that guy? <laughs> they had to, he had to, like, crawl out. <laughs> I never got that one. I don't know why that was the way. <laughs> But we must be filled with the Spirit and continue to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians says, And be not drunk with wine, 
wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The word excess here literally means one who's lost the ability to save or spare himself. It, it, it refers to somebody who squanders his life, his health, his finances, because he's drunk and can't think straight. It refers to the consumption of alcohol that causes him to think irrationally and act irresponsibly. That's what it means, wherein is excess. It, it also could mean, be not drunk with wine and act not saved. People get drunk with wine, they often act not saved, Right? But why do you think it's so popular to get drunk? Almost everybody who gets drunk, they know they shouldn't. But why? See, there's a God-given desire in every human being to want to enjoy life, to want to escape the humdrum mm -hmm. of life and experience exhilaration. Mm -hmm. That's in every one of us. Being drunk with alcohol is an imitation of what God wants to do. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's the acceleration. Drunk with wine, high on drugs, it's an imitation. We all want, we all want more than just the everyday humdrum life. The Christian way out is to be filled with the Spirit. Because that's where the exhilaration is. God wants us to be filled tonight with the Spirit. That's what He wants. That's what He's after in our lives. This is the real exhilaration. Amen. This is the real escape from the humdrum. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, laying hands on a sick person, and watching them miraculously recover. Now that is exhilarating. I laid my hands one day on the neck of this little boy in Mexico. And my interpreter, we put her hand, he had a lump on his throat. We put our hands on it, and that thing disappeared under my hands. Mm -hmm. That wasn't me. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, God healed him. His mama got saved. His daddy got saved. Everybody near us got saved. They didn't ask us what we believed about baptism. They didn't ask us what we believed about heaven and hell. They just wanted that Jesus that healed their son. Now, I was more exhilarated than they were. Because that's, that's what God wants. He wants us filled with his spirit. See, that's real enjoyment in life. We were made for more. We were made to be loose, to be free. To be fun by the Holy Spirit. I'm sometimes amazed at church when I look around, we're doing a worship song, and we have this going on. <laughs> I shouldn't be enough. He's like, wow. We are, listen, we ought to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, deep calls to deep. Being filled with the Spirit is more than some mundane drudgery in life. I've had days when I get home and I'm like, Give me a drink. In fact, make it a double. <laughs> but what I want is give me Jesus. <laughs> give me more. That's what I want. We need to be filled. Now, it says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Literally, this phrase, be filled with the Spirit, in the Greek it says, be being filled with the Spirit. It's a constant, consistent filling. Because we leak and we need to consistently and constantly be filled with the Spirit. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, we've got, to, we've got to continue. In Acts chapter 2, they got filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, they got filled with the Spirit. The same group of people did. Because they needed another filling. In Acts chapter 2, uh, they, they acted like they were drunk. In Acts chapter 4, the building shook because of the power of God. We need to be filled. I love this passage. How do you stay drunk with alcohol? You keep drinking. I mean, when you start getting sober, you drink some more. And then you drink some more. That's the only way you can stay high. How do you stay filled with the Holy Ghost? You've got to belly up to the Holy Ghost bar and drink some more. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not just having been filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get in this place where we got filled with the Spirit. And I've got it all. I, I believe in miracles. I believe in tongues. I even pray in tongues sometimes. It's got to be a daily infilling. It's got to be continual in our lives. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. Man, we've got to continue to imbibe of the Spirit. How? Speaking to yourself. The, phrase, the word to yourself, the word yourselves here means, is talking about to your own self. It says speaking to your own self in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks. This one's the biggie here. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father above in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, that's, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, the way it happens is we speak to ourselves continually the wonderful works of God. The wonderful goodness of God. Giving thanks, continually giving thanks, continually giving thanks. So, so what is it? What, what does spirit filled look like? It's giving thanks. It's being excited and falling in love with Jesus, hungering for his word. This is what I know about it. If if I if I if I spend time with him often, it only takes a couple of seconds to start to get filled up. But if I wait long periods of time before I before I spend time with him again, it's not the same. It takes a long time. See, we need to be spirit-filled people. Staying filled depends on how much we yield and respond to him. I'm still saved if I don't yield and I don't respond, but it gets dry. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. Then a preacher baptizes us in the water. But I can't think of anything more exciting than Jesus coming and baptizing us in the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the fun part. It's what the scripture said. John said he's the one who's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I love that. He comes. You see, a spirit-filled church and spirit-filled people are obviously, obviously in love with Jesus. I mean, and they live in the overcoming power of his spirit. Signs and wonders. I mean, that's just something that should be a part of what's in our lives. We need to be filled with the spirit. Paul wrote this to spirit-filled believers and told them to be filled with the spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they were a little bit too loud and 
and a little bit too happy. I think it's time for the church to be a little bit too loud, a little bit too happy, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need that. So I'm going to tell you another, one more story, and then I'll be done. I know we're supposed to be through right now. Back in, in 1996, in January, Tammy and I we were yearning for something. And so we decided we would take a trip to Toronto, Canada, and we were going to go witness the Toronto Blessing. Anybody remember the Toronto Blessing? Mm-hmm. We decided we were going to go witness it, and it was the revival that was at the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. They asked the pastor one time, why do you think God chose your church? He said, I think it's because we're close to the airport. Anyway, <laughs> that's a true story. That's what he yeah. said. People came from all over the world to attend this revival. I mean, everywhere. They came from everywhere. We came kind of at the end of it, but still, there were people from all over the world. And you know, I don't know if you've been to church. How many, are, how many drove 100 miles to get here? How many drove 40 miles? Well, there, there's like, how many came from the United States? All these people. How many came from Japan? All these people still. How many came from France? I mean, they were they came from everywhere to be a part of this revival. Everywhere they came from a part of it. And so we wanted to go and be a part of it. I mean, there were tremendous miracles. The move of God was intense. When we went in, they didn't have greeters. Nobody shook our hand. They weren't there to see us. <laughs> They were there to see Jesus. And we recognized that really quick. So we got there. The anointing and the presence of the Spirit was powerful. I mean, the message was average. The worship was okay. But the presence of the Spirit was obvious. I mean, according to church growth people, they did nothing right. But the presence of God was there. Well, we went, and it was wonderful. But we weren't, like, knocked over or anything. We walked out on our own power. We bought a CD because of music. We heard a song or two that we really liked. It was really good. We flew home. Several weeks later, I was uh, at our church in Dumas, and, I would, you know, my habit was I like to go in the, in the sanctuary, and I would put on a CD, and I would just worship and, and praise the Lord. So one day... I'm in the sanctuary, and I'm just I'm listening to that CD we got in, in Canada. And uh, it was a song that we really liked, and I was just singing it and telling Jesus how much I loved him. And I turned and saw someone in the room. Now, I turned, and I saw the Holy Spirit. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. He looked hard to describe this. He kind of looked like a combination of a cloud. All I saw was his face. A big cloud, kind of between that and the Michelin man's face. (laughs) But it was a cloud with a face on it. Now, either I saw it with my physical eyes, or it was a trance, but I am positive it was with my physical eyes. And I saw him. I was amazed, of course. And I just I just began to, to, to talk to him. And just, you know, we fellowship what seemed to be like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, but it was like three hours. Just there, just, I don't even remember all the things we talked about. He spoke, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit. He's not a physical being. He spoke to me 
But he never spoke using words. He communicated directly with my spirit every time. Now, I spoke to him with words because that's how I know how to communicate. But he spoke directly to my spirit. I would ask him a question, and he would speak to my spirit. At one point, I asked him about a deal. I had a question about healing. And he answered this question to my spirit. It was such a spiritual exercise, and the spirit was so real that it was like it was normal that he spoke to me in the spirit. Well, I didn't take any notes. And so after the spiritual part was over, I forgot all that that he told me about the healing part. We should have written it down. At one point, I'm there with him. and you know, I had, I'd had a cup, cup or two of coffee that morning, and I had to go to the bathroom. And I said, now listen, Holy Spirit... <laughs> you you know that I'm human. You know what happens in the physical body. Would you please stay? And I know he said yes. I wish nothing could make you still there. <laughs> At one point in our conversation, he reached out and he touched me on my cheek. I knew right then. And to me, it was the most tremendous blessing I'd ever had. But I knew with that same finger, he could wipe out all the armies of the world. That's right. mm-hmm. wow. There was this power, but there was this, this, this love that he had. Mm-hmm. So at one point I began to think about, this is the coolest experience ever. I can't wait I can tell people. As I began to think about the experience, he began to withdraw. And so I said, please don't go. Please. You're the focus of all my attention. And he just came right back into the room. I found out from the Holy Spirit, he has a definite opinion about things. You know, we used to say, you know what? You could just say Mary had a little lamb in the right spirit and he would love it. Not true. (laughs) Not true. There are certain songs he wants to hear at certain times. That's why worship leaders have to hear him. They have to know what to do. They have to understand. He he wants it. He wants things to be a certain way, the ways that will please the Father. I realized when I, after I saw him, I had seen him many times before, and I never recognized him because he appears often. As it as it came time for that to end, I remember asking him this. I said, Holy Spirit. How can I tell people to get to this place? How can I tell people there's a way to come and experience you like this? Because I want everybody to have this. I'll never forget what he said. He said, there are no steps. There is no formula. You must be hungry. Hungry for Jesus. And with that, it was over. Hunger for Jesus is the secret to being filled with the Spirit. Being hungry. And that can only happen by speaking to ourselves. Songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in our heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be spirit filled. My prayer for myself 
for all of us. Let's be filled with the Spirit.